Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Major Mondays webinar series, June 8th, 2020. Uh, today, we're going to be going over the basics of civil litigation in New Jersey, uh, having covered the basics of civil litigation in New York last month. Uh, as always, this is a live question and answer session, so uh, you can see the box to enter your questions. And at the conclusion of the presentation, uh, I'll answer any questions that are out there. So, as always with the uh, Major Mondays webinar, uh, we like to have a little bit of workers' compensation flavoring in here, uh, part of our bread and butter at Lois Law Firm. Um, so I wanted to bring up a case that's very near and dear to my heart because uh, the appellate division decision was one of my absolute favorites. Uh, and this is a rare, uh, very carrier-friendly decision. Uh, and uh, there's an article on the website about it that explains the full implications of it uh, that you can check out, loisllc.com. Uh, but there was a New Jersey Supreme Court decision uh, in May, uh, New Jersey Transit Corporation as subrogate of Mercogliano versus Sanchez. And um, what this case pertained to was New Jersey has something called the verbal threshold, uh, also known as the limitation on lawsuit option for motor vehicle accident claims. Uh, pictured as basically the New Jersey equivalent of New York's no-fault law. Um, you can, uh, you need to have some sort of permanency for your injuries for non-economic damages, and there are uh, specifically delineated injuries, and it comes from the petitioner or plaintiff's uh, own policy. Uh, and so if you don't elect for the no limitation on lawsuit option for your policy uh, and you get in an accident, uh, the uh, party that's going to sue you actually has to deal with your verbal threshold issue. Uh, so this serves as a bar to um, a lot of soft tissue type injuries where there's no real provable uh, sort of permanent injury. Uh, and so those tend to get dismissed almost immediately. Um, and that's why in these smaller claim, uh, smaller workers' compensation claims and in, you know, softer injuries, uh, there's not really a heck of a lot of subrogation potential. But in 2018, the New Jersey Appellate Division held that the workers' compensation carrier is not subject to the verbal threshold, uh, basically on the grounds that the New Jersey workers' compensation law and the subrogation rights thereunder are uh, separate and distinct from the Automobile Insurance Cost Reduction Act, which gave rise to the verbal threshold. Uh, so in a decision on May 12, 2020, the New Jersey Supreme Court uh, shockingly affirmed this. And uh, this is a, a pretty big win for carriers in New Jersey for subrogation purposes, uh, because if you think about it, uh, this is barely even subrogation at this point. I mean, the carrier can subrogate even where the petitioner might not have a viable suit because their claim would be barred by the verbal threshold. So um, this is uh, this is pretty interesting in that we now are able to subrogate under Section 40F uh, and prosecute these claims to recover our reimbursement where otherwise it may have been, there would have been no opportunity to get a lien and the third party action would have been dismissed uh, almost immediately if the medical proofs weren't satisfied by the plaintiff. So uh, there's some interesting recovery potential here for uh, workers' compensation carriers. Uh, and I thought uh, basics of civil litigation in New Jersey would be a good place to squeeze this in. So moving along. All right, so any sort of civil litigation discussion is gonna start with the statute of limitations. 
The most common one we're dealing with in New Jersey is uh, two years for personal injury accidents, including uh, motor vehicle accidents. Uh, the exception to this is uh, government or public entities. These are the Title 59 of uh, the Tort Claims Act uh, cases. And in those cases, uh, there needs to be a notice of tort claim within the first 90 days to the public entity uh, in order to preserve the right to sue. Um, as far as some specific case types, product liability, also two years, med mal, two years from the date of the malpractice, the date the harm arose or the discovery of the harm from malpractice, uh, legal malpractice, six years, wrongful death, also two years, intentional torts, also two years. Oops, went a little too far. So the New Jersey docket and e-filing. Uh, New Jersey has moved largely uh, to exclusively to the e-court system. So uh, some of you that may have been digging around in New Jersey's online dockets might remember something called the ACMS public access. Uh, that didn't really have any filing capability. That was just an electronic docket you could look at. Uh, that's not around anymore. And now we have e-courts. Uh, E-Court still has the public access for docket checks, um, but it also has e-filing for parties and attorneys. Uh, it's mandatory e-filing for cases commenced in the Superior Court, Law Division, Civil Part. Uh, that's where most of our PI suits are going to end up. So uh, almost all cases nowadays are going to be filed electronically. Uh, and to accommodate this, uh, the New Jersey Supreme Court relaxed and uh, supplemented the New Jersey court rules. Uh, for service via e-filing. And I'm talking specifically about court rules 1 colon 5-2 and 5-3. So I mentioned this briefly earlier, just wanna dive into it a little further. Title 59 of the New Jersey Tort Claims Act. Uh, so generally uh, in suits against governmental or public entities, uh, there is a principle of sovereign immunity that applies. Uh, and this is even mentioned in uh, the text of Title 59. Uh, but Title 59 does permit suits against public entities under certain conditions. Uh, a notice of tort claim has to be filed within the first 90 days. A suit cannot be filed until six months afterwards, uh, and basically giving the public entity the opportunity to uh, analyze the lawsuit and <clears throat> adjust it amicably or try to resolve it, uh, conduct an investigation. Uh, after that, the two-year statute of limitations still applies overall. Uh, so <clears throat> in New Jersey cases, uh, it makes sense, especially for public entities and Title 59 claims, to get that notice of intention out uh, as quickly as possible, considering you, <clears throat> you need to give them six months to uh, resolve it before you can file suit anyway. Uh, there's no damages for pain and suffering uh, under, the, under Title 59, uh, unless there's permanent loss of a bodily function, disfigurement or dismemberment, and medical expenses over $3,600. Um, practically, if you're having any one of those conditions, I mean, fait accompli that you're gonna be over $3,600 for medicals, but uh, that's the statute. So filing fees and the so-called JAX account. Uh, JAX is Judiciary Account Charge System. Uh, New Jersey Court Rule 1 colon 43 has the filing fees going to go over a couple of the most common ones for, uh, again, most of our cases are going to end up in the law division, civil part, and superior court. Complaint is $250. Uh, filing a first paper other than the plaintiff, 
uh, that's $175. Motions or order to show cause, $50. Uh, docketing or recording a judgment, uh, always recommended, $35. Uh, and as far as taking appeals, notice of appeal is $250. Uh, and you're also required to make a deposit for costs with uh, an appellate division case. That's uh, for $300. And a motion for leave to appeal or uh, any motion filed uh, to the appellate division after the case is closed is uh, $50. The judiciary uh, account charge system is basically, uh, think of it as an online uh, personal bank account for court purposes only. And uh, the funds are kept up and it comes directly out of that and you have a Jack's account number that gets charged and it avoids this sort of messy process of sending in checks or entering credit card numbers. Uh, it's actually rather seamless and pretty convenient. So pleadings, uh, this is where every case is going to start. Uh, summons, complaint with jury uh, trial demand and demand for discovery. The reason I'm putting that in uh, in the pleadings in the complaint specifically uh, is because New Jersey has uniform personal injury interrogatories, which you don't actually have to serve, but we'll get into that in a moment. Uh, trial counsel designation and case information statement. So these are the components of the basic service of process. Your summons, your complaint, you're going to make a trial by jury demand in the complaint in New Jersey. Uh, designate who the trial counsel is, uh, and then you have to fill out these case information statements, also called CISs. Uh, so the type of case per that CIS is going to determine what track you end up on. Uh, the court will issue a track assignment notice within 10 days, uh, and the summons, complaint, uh, case information statement, and the track assignment notice have to be served within 15 days of the track assignment notice. Uh, personal service is the primary way to do this. Uh, there are some alternate forms of service permitted under the court rules under different circumstances, but uh, by and large, you're going to be uh, having a process server deliver this, deliver this personally and prepare an affidavit of service. Uh, the answer is due within 35 days of uh, service, and uh, New Jersey is actually pretty rigid about this. Uh, so this is why I put consider motion to enter default if no response. Um, it's relatively easy to get default entered. I mean, 35 days goes by, you file the motion with the court, you would basically say the pleading was served and you attach the affidavit of service as an exhibit uh, and no answer was ever filed and boom, there's default. Uh, now it's up to you to still uh, pursue the default judgment after default has actually been entered. Uh, and the uh, party that didn't respond uh, typically is going to file a motion to vacate default or if the judgment has been entered to vacate the default judgment. Uh, happens very commonly, but um, it is a nice weapon to have if you're prosecuting a case in New Jersey. So I mentioned track assignments earlier. So New Jersey separates the time for completion of discovery by the case type, which is actually uh, a rather interesting concept. So um, track one is 150 days, track two is 300 days. This is where you're gonna end up most commonly. I mean, these are your personal injury and motor vehicle accident cases. Tracks three and four are 450 days with track four uh, having active case management by an individual judge. Uh, the period begins to run, the discovery period that is, uh, from the date of the first answer being filed or 90 days after the first defendant is served, whichever comes first and New Jersey will assign a discovery end date based on those dates. 
So I mentioned this a little earlier, uh, uniform personal injury interrogatories. So these come from the New Jersey court rules, uh, Appendix 2. Uh, there's different types of uniform personal injury interrogatories for uh, personal injury cases, motor vehicle accidents, fall down, malpractice, and products liability. There's additional sections with additional questions for each different type of case. Uh, they exist both for the plaintiff and the defendant, uh, so they're both required to be used. Uh, the defendant is the, once the defendant is served with a complaint, uh, they're deemed automatically served with the uniform personal injury interrogatory that corresponds to that type of complaint. Uh, so this is why I mentioned that it's a good idea to include in your pleading if you're not going to serve uh, formal interrogatories, uh, that you're making a demand for a production of responses uh, because they're deemed automatically served with the complaint. Uh, answers are due within 60 days of uh, the defendant's answer to the complaint. Um, the plaintiff is deemed served uh, with service of the answer, and the responses are due within 30 days uh, of that. <clears throat> and each party is permitted 10 supplementary questions beyond what is provided for in Appendix 2 for the specific case types. So we'll dive briefly into some other uh, discovery devices under the court rules. Uh, one of my personal favorites, uh, 4 colon 22, request for admissions. Uh, the matter is deemed admitted unless responded to within 30 days of service. Uh, the defendant does have at least 45 days uh, from service of process though. Um, but these are, these are a wonderful discovery device and a wonderful tool to have um, because essentially, if you have a, an attorney that's not really on top of the, you know, not on the ball in terms of answering discovery uh, or defending or prosecuting their case, uh, New Jersey is pretty rigid with the discovery timelines. And you can basically get some admissions in there just by virtue of having them not responded to. Uh, and this is a good chance to basically get some some facts stipulated to in advance of trial. Uh, it's, it's a good opportunity to sort of narrow and hone and perfect your case, uh, even just if they actually respond to them and their denials, you're still limiting the amount of um, the, the different arguments that can be made and the amount of evidence available, so to speak. So uh, request for admissions, very powerful and in my opinion, underutilized tool. Uh, court rule four colon 18, uh, this is the notice to produce your standard old document demands. Uh, the response must be served within 35 days, but the defendant has 50 days uh, from the complaint to provide a response. Uh, New Jersey Court Rule 4, 14, uh, depositions, uh, no less than 10 days notice for a deposition. Uh, and Rule 4, 19 is physical and mental examinations. These are uh, your IMEs for uh, New Jersey personal injury cases. So motion practice, uh, motion papers have to be filed and served at least 16 days before the return date, also known as uh, the hearing. Uh, summary judgment motions, however, have to be served at least 28 days before the return date and not later than 30 days before the scheduled trial date. Uh, so New Jersey has motion calendar days, unlike in New York where you can uh, sort of just pick a date on, um, on your notice of motion or uh, leave it blank for the order to show cause for the court. Uh, and if they're gonna adjourn it, they're gonna adjourn it, but uh, you can specify the date as long as it's served timely. Um, New Jersey has motion calendar days every other Friday. 
And the way this works practically for New Jersey civil litigation practice is you fall into this habit of uh, every, every, the Tuesday two weeks before uh, the Friday where the motion calendar day is, is when you're going to be sending out uh, most motions uh, and filing them as well. Um, so you fall into this sort of routine of making sure they're going all motion, every Tuesday is basically uh, motion day or every other Tuesday rather. But um, it's sort of formulaic once you fall into the practice of it. So uh, motions on the papers are uncontested unless a response is filed at least eight days before the return date. Uh, what on the papers means is you're not seeking oral argument. It's basically your basis for having the motion granted and all of your evidence is submitted uh, with your notice of motion and your certification and support and everything else. Um, the most common motions you're going to see, I mentioned earlier, default, uh, motion to intervene, uh, motion to compel discovery. Another one of my personal favorite New Jersey court rules, failure to make discovery, uh, rule 4, colon 23-5. I think in my time as a New Jersey attorney, I filed that motion more than any other. Um, it's a fantastic tool because, again, New Jersey is pretty rigid about the discovery dates. Um, and as soon as you go beyond uh, the response time for any given discovery device, this is something you can contemplate filing. And uh, you can actually, as one of your remedies, get the uh, pleading stricken. So it's a pretty severe remedy for failure to comply uh, with discovery demands and a uh, nice way to weaponize uh, somebody's laziness in responding, so to speak. Uh, motion to extend discovery, motion to enforce litigants' rights, uh, motion to enforce the settlement agreement, vacate default, uh, motion to dismiss, and summary judgment. Uh, your typical components are going to be a notice of motion, certification and support, uh, proposed form of order, proof of service and filing, uh, a brief or letter brief, uh, and the filing fee payment. Now, unlike in New York, where you may have seen uh, in the attorney affirmations and support, there's legal arguments and citations um, and basically you know, no sort of uh, table or no sort of a list of citations um, to refer to. It's just pasted in the body of the attorney affirmation and support. Uh, you can't make legal arguments or really you, you shouldn't make legal arguments in the certification and support uh, in New Jersey for motions. Um, I would always recommend taking the opportunity to supplement your argument with a formal brief or more commonly a letter brief to the individual judge. Uh, it's much, much neater, uh, much more compliant with the court rules uh, and makes it much more likely for your motion to actually be granted. So leave the legal arguments in New Jersey motions for your brief or your letter brief. So New Jersey has um, mandatory personal injury arbitration uh, and we'll just get briefly into trial here as well. Um, so this is uh, New Jersey court rule 4 colon 21A. Uh, motor vehicle accident negligence, personal injury actions, except malpractice and products liability, uh, all have this mandatory arbitration. Uh, within 45 days of uh, the notice is when the arbitration can be scheduled. Um, and it's scheduled after the discovery end date, but not less than 60, or I'm sorry, not later than 60 days after the discovery end date. So practically when you're coming up on uh, the discovery end date, 
that mandatory personal injury uh, arbitration notice is going to come out from the court uh, and a formal date will be selected and it's just part of the ordinary course of litigation in New Jersey. Uh, as far as trial is concerned, the court must provide at least 10 weeks notice of trial uh, prior to the discovery end date. So you're also going to get a fixed date for when trial is going to begin after the mandatory personal uh, injury arbitration. So we'll get into appeals briefly. Here I'm talking about the uh, appellate division. I'll get into the Supreme Court in a moment. Uh, the notice of appeal has to be filed with the appellate division within 45 days of the judgment or order being appealed. Uh, the notice of appeal has to be accompanied by a transcript request form uh, and a case information statement. Uh, for an interlocutory appeal, you need uh, leave via a motion within 20 days from service of the order. So this is where uh, all issues have not been resolved at trial and it's not all issues are not closed. It's sort of appealing a specific decision as part of the trial. Uh, you're going to need uh, leave from the appellate division to actually pursue that appeal. That's where the motion comes in. Uh, I mentioned this briefly earlier. There's a filing fee of $250. Uh, and a $300 deposit for costs has to be made within 30 days of filing the appeal. So, uh, less common, taking appeals to the Supreme Court. Uh, the Supreme Court of New Jersey is uh, the highest court level. Uh, you start with the superior courts. I mean, under that, there's uh, small claims and there's the municipal courts. Um, but the superior court, law division, civil part, that's where... Um, that's where most of these personal injury and motor vehicle accident cases are going to end up. Those go appealed to the appellate division, and then the appellate division decisions go up to the New Jersey Supreme Court. So that's your kind of uh, structure. Uh, an appeal can be made from a final judgment of an appellate division or lower court um, when the appeal was decided by the appellate division and it involves a quote-unquote substantial question under uh, the US Constitution or New Jersey Constitution. Um, and in this situation, uh, the New Jersey Supreme Court is actually required to hear the appeal, but what qualifies as a substantial question? Uh, there's not a lot of those. It's not terribly common. Um, if there's a dissent filed by the judge in the appellate division, uh, you can appeal to the New Jersey Supreme Court uh, or if the appeal is specifically permitted by law. So there are some appeals that are specifically delineated as appealable to the Supreme Court. So settlement and dismissal, the wrap-up of the case. Uh, there's always a, there, there's no more than one court-mandated mandated settlement conference. Um, the parties can agree to additional settlement conferences, but there's a maximum of one mandatory one. Um, when you're entering into a settlement, the defendants are usually going to require the plaintiff or attorney's office to produce a W-9 for tax purposes. Um, there's going to be a general release accompanied uh, with any settlement and dismissal, uh, and that should be prepared by the defendants and heavily scrutinized by the plaintiff. So if we're defending against one of these types of cases, we're going to want to take the opportunity to draft uh, a comprehensive relief that protects everyone involved from our end. Uh, conversely, if we're prosecuting a case, say as subrogee of a petitioner, uh, we are going to want to make sure we're not surrendering any rights beyond what we agreed to when we agreed to the settlement. Um, the action will be brought to a close. And when I say the action, I mean the actual civil docket case. 
upon the filing of a stipulation of settlement or a stipulation of dismissal with the court in which the action is pending. So that does it for the substantive portion. Uh, let's see if we have any questions before we wrap up for this month. And I am not seeing any questions. So I would like to thank everyone for uh, attending and I hope very much that you'll join us next month and uh, stay safe everyone. Thanks again for participating.